0: But aren't you glad God don't give up on you? Amen. This friend sticketh closer than a brother. And so we'll try to finish this up tonight where we began. begun. We had begun this little study on being a good friend and how to uh, be a good friend during these difficult days that we're in. And as you see, the day approaching more and more, uh, we are going to need these more of these principles in our life. Um Because I just, it's the enemies. Well, we know what the last days are like. Uh, Jesus told us what the last days were going to be like. And it, um, I'm careful to say this because I don't, this is not an excuse, but it it is difficult to live for God in these days. It is difficult with all that is going on. If you don't uh, walk in the Spirit, you are not going to make it. And um, I don't know how many stories I've heard over the past year just recently of preachers that have failed. And um, There's no... um, It always just puts fear in me to hear any Christian that has failed in some area. But especially a preacher, because he's got a target on his back, especially... And uh, the enemy's trying to to get him in a seemingly special way. And so um, it just breaks my heart. I just want to, I want, so I, I want, I, I think this has been helpful. And hopefully we'll finish this up tonight uh, to help us to be good friends to one another. We need to be able to have that. Um, I wonder how many things might have been avoided had we been honest and had a friend we could trust to be honest with. Uh, a recent situation that I know of. I, I wondered. I, I wondered sincerely if if they had a friend, a real friend, who they could be honest with about where their heart was. Uh, maybe the situation could have been avoided. I don't. I don't know. I, I just wonder that. Um, and so I want you to know, as your pastor, you can come talk to me about anything because I love you and I want to be here for you and I want to be not as Uh, Judgmental and critical As you might think could be in a situation Don't ever feel like you're trapped And there's nobody you can go to God's given you a pastor and young people He's given you parents that love you uh, Many people in our lives that we can go to But like Brother Reed sang uh, I believe it was one of the first songs Maybe the second But burdens are lifted at Calvary You can be honest with God When you can't be honest with anybody else Right And so uh, you're not going to run him off uh, as your friend So just let's, let's do all that we can I think a lot of times people are afraid To um, confess faults Or talk to somebody about something In fear of well that person's going to think Such and such about me or whatever And I understand that um, I do but um, I, w- I would rather worry a little bit About maybe my perception in somebody's life um, Than to just try and going at it alone Without a friend and so uh find you somebody that you can trust and be uh that's going to pray for you and help you through things and um and and God will use them in your life now let's move on here and uh look at uh let's begin in our reading uh let's begin in um well I, I think we don't need to recover these things so let's just start in uh Colossians chapter number three. And I won't redo this, but then we'll move on forward in the New Testament. So tr- turn to Colossians chapter number 3, and then we'll kind of look at just a couple of things and go home about this matter of being a friend. This is where we ended last time. A friend is to be pardoning. Uh, we ought to be quick to forgive, shouldn't we? And so um, we looked at that, and we looked at, you know, how Christ has forgiven us, and there's, there's so many uh, places you could turn to in the New Testament or the Old Testament that exhorts us to forgive. and uh, so uh, we won't continue on, but let's just read this Colossians chapter number three. and verse 13 or verse 12 says, "Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long suffering." forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And so uh, the penman. Paul is telling us and exhorting us as Christ, and he ends that little verse there, as Christ has forgiven you, um, so also do ye. And so we need to remember that because a lot of times we know these verses, but we only know them well enough to give them to somebody else when they need them, don't we? We forget about them when it's in our situation, Uh, but they're easy to remember when somebody else needs to be forgiving, right? Right. And so, uh, remember also, forgiveness restores fellowship, doesn't it? God, when he, when he uh, gave us in First John, he said, If any man uh, sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Uh, that's obviously talking about fellowship, is it not? And so, um, we need to be careful to make sure when we do forgive, it's not one of these, well, I'll forgive you, but I ain't talking to you no more. That's not Christian forgiveness Christian forgiveness not only may forgive something But it's willing to restore fellowship um, Where necessary Now uh, so we, we, we Ended there we went to uh, Several other places and looking at forgiveness um, And then now Just flip on over to 1 John three sixteen. and I mentioned this um, And somebody that's a lot Better at me uh, Than this could give me another word to use uh, For this but 1 John Chapter number 3 And we'll look at this uh, verse here that is quite well known to, to most of us. Uh, in uh, laying down our lives for our friends And uh, so we need to be quick to forgive A good friend is personal, he's pardoning And then I use this word propitiating A good friend is laying down his life for others As Christ has left us an example So First John 3 and verse number 16 uh, We'll read this here Marvel not my brethren if the world hates you We know that we pass from death into life Because we love the brethren He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And now verse number 16. Hereby perceive the way somebody said, well, I hate them. Boy, be careful about saying that. Uh, The Bible does talk about, you know, hate and various words that we are used sometimes but it's not in the same context that we might use those words so need to be careful but the Bible does say whoever hateth his brother is a murderer and no murderer has eternal life abiding in him verse number 16 hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay our lives uh, ought to lay down our lives for the brethren and so we look at this word here, this word "propitiating that I use, but uh, this is a sacrificial love and care for one another and and uh, what my mind started going to a little bit today was uh, uh, this matter of laying down your life for one another as this um, as I run the um, thinking about all the various things that that might affect in our life, and uh, what all that might cause me to have to do against what might. Uh, appear better for me in order to lay my life down for someone else um, and I, I started thinking about this matter of self-denial in, in order to for others now usually when we think of denying self we think about it even selfishly we think about it because we're thinking about Christ saying that if any man will bear his cross we, well we read it cannot be my disciple so we we're, we're thinking, well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna please God uh, and I'm gonna have God's blessing on my life, then I have to. And it's selfish thinking, even in self sacrifice for itself uh, can uh, can be a, a dangerous uh, uh, self denial. Even can be uh, very selfish in itself if you think about. it. But anyway, let's not go there. So uh, if you think about in laying down your life for someone else, something that may be better for you, uh, and, and, and all those areas, if you start running that down, then Here's what I thought about I, I have a tendency to uh, have certain ways about me and think certain things, and all of us are geared differently, and we think certain ways and and um, uh, this kind of uh, faithful, steadfast, sacrificial type of love we're supposed to have towards one another uh, if you think if you think about this well here, here's where my mind went. I'll just share it with you but here's how I am often if If I perceive that maybe um, there's something wrong with you and between you and me. Or or I will imagine, and you have to be careful about imaginations, casting those down. Those can be very dangerous. But I thought about, you know, I'll I'll, I'll think about this sometimes because of uh, whatever reason you want to, let's not get psychological with the thing. uh, But uh, whatever reason you want to think about it, if I perceive that maybe there's something, well, Cyrus is mad at me. Generally, my reaction will be, you're not mad, are you? Okay, good, good. Okay, so so uh, uh, if I perceive that, that Cyrus is mad at me, I might, I might do, uh, uh, some people uh, just react differently. I'll tell you how I normally would react to that, brother. I'll normally withdraw myself from it and think, well, I'm doing the best for him. I figure he just didn't want to be around me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody following me? I'm going somewhere. So, so, uh, uh, so, if I kind of think, uh, well, I, I'm trying to, and I'm trying to have some sort of relationship with with, with Cyrus here, and uh, and and something, ha- and, and so, something between me and you, uh, what I have a tendency to do is pull back. So if I think, and it's not, it's not because I'm mad at you. It's because I I know myself and think, well, I wouldn't want to talk to me either. So you're probably just tired of fooling with me. Now that's how my brain works. Does anybody else think like that? I'm not mad if somebody doesn't want to spend a lot of time with me. I don't like spending time with me. But (laughs) the way my brain... I got a little chuckle over there. Is that you, brother? But uh, but so so here's how my mind's thinking. My mind's thinking. Well, uh, I'm probably done this, or I've probably done that, or I've done that. And here you go running the uh, uh, the imagination train, uh, and uh, and 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 you've got this thing built up in your mind, and, and you're thinking, well, uh, they probably just don't like me, or they probably just don't you know prefer my kind of personality, or maybe they did. Uh, whatever it is, and you run it all in your brain. And so, yeah, I, I have a tendency, maybe several others do, is to pull back from that person and say, well, uh, maybe they they just probably would rather just Spend time with other people, and, and, and not with me. Uh, but see, real friendship doesn't do that. See, that's that's kind of selfish in its thinking. Uh, uh, if you really, if you really dial it down, now, not on the surface, but if you go thinking about it deeper and deeper and deeper, you're going to find self at the end of that road. And uh, uh, though you think you're doing the best thing for him, it'll still end up if you run it down. So, so, uh, uh, but uh, this kind of friendship that's been talking about biblically, uh, at no time should I withdraw myself from him. I should be faithful to him. Even if he's saying, you know what, I don't even want to deal with it. How many of you know when your kids ain't doing good, when they start kind of pulling back on spiritual things? I see it in the church. When you start watching them, they start missing every now and then on Sunday night. And then you start missing a little bit here and start slipping a little bit there. And they're not there on Wednesday. Then before you know it, they're once a month kind of in and out. You can tell when somebody's kind of withdrawn from you. What about Ruth? And here's who I was trying to go through thinking about. What about Ruth and Naomi. And she said, "Entreat me not to leave thee." Remember when she said that? And she said, "No, you just go back. Uh, um, God's vet dealt with me this way. Uh, I used to be—I used to be called. I forget what her name originally meant." And she said, "Now call me Myra." Well, she? Said, used to be beautiful, I think, and now it's the Lord's dealt treacherously with me. I can't remember. But she was having a little depressive pity party. Was she not? And she said, no, you just go back. And said, you just go back to your family. You go back to your home. You go back to where you're going. I'm going back to Bethlehem, Judah. And she heard all this. And she said, no, no, where you go, I'm going to go. And she's basically saying, no, you're not going. I don't want you around. I don't want you coming with me. I failed God. I failed miserably. I'm just a miserable. I mean, that's the kind of thinking that is going on in her mind, in Naomi's mind. And, and she tells Ruth, just go back. I don't want, just, I don't want to buy. And, and what does she do? No, you're not going to run me off. Uh, amen. Your God's going to be my God. <laughs> Where you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Now, that is a friend, right? Even when you're trying to push them away, they won't let you push them away. You're going to have to do a whole lot more than that run me off. That's the kind of thinking that she has. A friend, No, well, I'm going with you. And your God's going to be mine. And I'm going to go. And and, and, and man, you see how faithful a friend she was? She, and, and Ruth would have hardly ever, uh, Naomi would have never made it without Ruth. Who went to work and fed them and she was a faithful friend. Now go through and let's, let's think about, because there's several examples that I, I want to try to use to look at, um, at some of these uh, certain uh, things. Now, what she could have said, and, and the reason my, my mind went to that, and we know the, um, the, I'm not, I'm talking practically here, not about all the other things involved in, in the book of Ruth. I'm just thinking practically in her brain, you're not going to run me off, right? You're not going to It's going to take more than that to separate you and me. Right? I I realize you've lost your husband. I've lost my husband. I realize you've lost your boys. I realize all the tragedy that's befallen you. And I'm going to go where you're going. I'm going to be faithful to you, even though you are acting like you don't want me around. She was pushing her away. Was she not? Don't come with me. And she said, no, I'm going with you. Now, at first, I realized she said, your God's going to be my God. I understand that. But does anybody think that she had a great understanding of the Jehovah God of heaven? Where she came from? I doubt it very seriously. I'd say she knew something. She obviously did uh, from the life of Naomi. I'm sure that she knew something because she said, your God's going to be my God. So she knew something. Uh, but uh, I, I think originally it was just good old-fashioned love and friendship. that I'm going to go where you're going. I, you're not going to run me off. No, I'm not going back. I'm going with you. Now, how many other times in the Bible, so, so, and, and we kind of talked about that a little bit, but how? I mean, how, how difficult is it? And some people get in such a place that they purposely try to push you away. For whatever reason, they do that. They'll try to push you away. When I'm saying this, we've got to be the kind of friend where you're not going to push me away. You, 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 might, you might keep pushing me and telling me to go home and quit calling you. Quit, quit. Well, you'll just have to not answer because I'm going to call anyway. That's the kind of attitude that, they, that, that we've got to have. I'm, just, I'm not going to allow you to just run off and go off and leave me. I'm going to be faithful to you. Where you go, I'm going to go. Right? And and that kind of faithful friendship, we see it in, in Naomi, you see it in Ruth, and then let's turn, uh, can we look at this and look at, well, okay, we're going to be here anyway, so let's turn back, I tried to save this to the end, if there was a man that was more blessed with friends, it was David in our Bible. David inspired some of the most faithful friends. I'm just amazed when you read through First and Second Samuel of all the people that, that were, as one man said, was it Hiram? I, I, I don't think I wrote it down now. But, it, but it, where the Bible said he was always a lover of David. I mean, you'll go through the Bible and then and randomly you'll see something's come up. And so he ended up blessing uh, his son uh, because of how much he loved David. But I mean, time and time again, you see opportunities. What about, let's turn to 1 Samuel. And, uh, well, that'd be 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 15. And let's look at just one example. Of course, we know David and Jonathan. And I, I would I would have to say if when I... Look through here, as far as practical examples of friendship, Jonathan would have to be probably the greatest example, practically speaking, outside of Christ as a good faithful friend. Now here's a man named Etai uh, in the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter number 15, that is... Uh, Just, uh, I just want to read this quickly because it's really not that important to the message tonight other than to just say uh, that um, I believe uh, David had these kind of friends because he was this kind of friend. Uh, This is the way he was blessed and had friends uh, of others. But I don't know of anybody that had better friends. He was just surrounded uh, by some of the best friends at some of the worst times in his life. When David is fleeing from Saul, does anybody know why David had to flee from Saul? What did David do wrong that caused God to just rip everything out of his life and leave him alone in a cave? Does anybody know? I don't know. I read it again. It's like Job, brothery. It just baffles my mind. I have no idea why God, I mean, I have my uh, uh, assumptions, I would say, of why, uh, why God allowed it. But truthfully, truth be known, I have no idea why God allowed the suffering in the life of Job and David like he did. David did nothing to deserve what happened to him. From the moment that he cut that Philistine's head off He was hated of a man If you'll remember the Bible said He looked at David He always had a suspicion and a look And that just immediately Because all David was trying to do Was serve God Was he not Where was David when God found him Well When God sent a man to find him Where was he at Tending the sheep Was he not He was ready the Bible said he was just a young lad, but he was faithful to God's business, and he was humble, and he was strong. He was serving God he, from, the, from, the, from a child. He was serving the Lord, was he not? And then he comes along, and we all know the story about uh, Goliath and what all happened, and all those cowardly uh, men weren't going to do nothing about it, including Saul. And David comes along, and he's, he said he's not going to cuss my God, and he goes and cuts his head off. He's going to kill his whole family, I think. Anybody else agree with that? And there's no other reason why he took as too many stones as he did. Now, uh, so anyway, so we see the stories progressing. Is that chapter number 17, the first time? Well, a, a, at the end of chapter number 17, um, and well, we'll look at that because we'll get into Jonathan. But, but, but here is David. That, that is always something that has amazed me when you see uh, uh, Saul uh, get an evil spirit from the Lord. Is that what your Bible is saying? Saul, the the Bible said the Lord departed Saul, and Saul got sent an evil spirit, and he got sent an evil spirit from God. That's what the Bible said. And from that moment on, David suffered because of what Saul did. That's why David suffered. Now, I know there's other things involved in all that. I'm not playing it out on many levels. I'm just saying on the simplicity, on the practical level, Saul and his heart had let envy in his life. And when he saw David being praised for what happened, he got jealous of David and he got mad at David and he wanted to kill David, right? And who suffered? David didn't get jealous, as far as I know. We didn't get put in here. Did you see where David uh, uh, got drunk and, and uh, 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 slept around? On, on, and I don't see any great sin in his life. I don't, see, I don't see where he did anything wrong at all to cause him to have to lose everything that he lost. He lost everything in the beginning. Of course, he didn't have much. That's why he said, you're chasing a flea, fleece. Oh, <laughs> I'm a nobody. And David suffered... Uh, uh, the loss of just about everything that he could have had Or what he thought the things that were going And what he was going to be And he suffered at the hand because of what somebody else did It was Saul's sin that caused David to suffer Not David's Now David had his own We all know he had uh, He was a man too right So just fi- and, and you're thinking Think about this So here David's done absolutely nothing wrong he, As far as we know now He's done nothing to deserve what Saul is doing to him but what happens, he suffers anyway. He's basically an exile. I mean, we, we could go through just step after step of all the things that he suffered, but aren't you glad that God sent him a friend in the midst of his suffering? Now, we'll, we'll look at that man. We're kind of going backwards. because uh, It's going to fit in somewhere else. Uh, but here in 2 Samuel chapter number 15, uh, let's read about this man. This is a man... Who David uh, uh, inspired and uh, just somehow I don't I just have to uh, I just have to figure uh, that uh, um, God put this man in his life that's the only way I know to, to say it can I say most of us probably wouldn't be much if we didn't have men can I'm saying men as in humankind but if we didn't have people put into our lives by God in our time of suffering. Now the Lord's able, and I know the Bible says that the help of man. Without God, it's all vanity. I understand all that. And I know you can go just to God, and I understand plenty of that. But there's too many verses in the New Testament exhorting us to be the kind of friend that Christ said, And look at the kind of friends that David had. I know a lot of people talk about churches and building churches, and they'll say, well, and they put always put it on the pastor. Every successful church that I know of in the background of the ministry of that pastor was men who were holding things together. And here's an example of a man that barely gets a little honorable mention here. And he, he was one of those type of men that was holding the thing together, uh, though David was getting some of the glory for what was happening from God. Uh, this kind of man right here is a man. He was, you remember when he was with the Philistines? And uh, this, uh, uh, let's read about this man of Gath. Uh, let's uh, see here. Now, verse number, are we in chapter 15? I'm in verse number 19. Uh, and listen to what David uh, has said. And all the servants pass on uh, beside. And you see, the, see the the Gittites there, six hundred men. Uh, at the end of verse uh, verse eighteen, this man Itai is the leader of those six hundred men. And so the king said unto Ittai, the the Gittite, wherever goest thou also with us, return to thy place and abide with the king. For to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. Now that's what David is saying to him, uh, and I, I, I am assuming that he's telling him to go back and serve Absalom, not his king. Uh, because he's been exiled from the country of the Philistines. He's been exiled from there because he stood with David. This was a man that loved David. He was dear friends with David, and he loved David. And David said, look, you've not been with us very long. I'm not going to make you go suffering alongside me. He does the same thing that Naomi tried to do and said, just go back and leave me alone. You don't need to be involved with this. This ain't your fight. Don't worry about it. A friend is not going to tell you it's not my fight. (laughs) If you're my friend, your fights are my fights. Unless you started it, and then I'm going to get, let you get hit a few times first before I help you. I'm kidding. I'm not talking about those kind of fights anyway. Uh, so uh, a good friend, am, am I telling the truth? A good friend is going to stand with you. I don't care what you're battling, what you're going through, what brought you there. You're not going to run me off and push me away. You're not going to do it. Amen. And uh, so uh, he tells this man, and then look at, look at what he said here in verse number um, twenty. Uh, Whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us? Seeing I go whither I may, return thou and take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. And Eti answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my Lord the king liveth, surely in what place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. Hey you got to thank the Lord for a friend like that. Now, this is during the time of Absalom here. And if there was ever a good time to get out of good fellowship with David, I think this would have been a good time. He could have just said, you know what, you're right. i got no dog in this fight anyway. I mean, David, you caused this. Did he not? David did cause this where we're at. You know what happened where we're at here? A man told him, said, the sword will never depart from your house. Your, your own children. What did, what did he mean by that? If your sword was going to depart from your house, there was going to be division and turmoil in his house. And there was because of what he did. And, uh, and so at this time, he could have stepped back and, and, and said, well, you know, what Nathan told you is right. You have caused all this. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've been friends to some people and I thought, well, good night, that's about the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Did you not see that coming? I mean, how could you not see that coming? You know what? You kind of deserve to go suffer a little bit for what you've done. Anybody ever think like that? You should have been smart enough not to do this. Have you lost your mind? Anybody ever think like that? Maybe I'm just the only one. But you know what? A good friend. It doesn't matter. Amen. It doesn't really matter to a good friend. I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. Listen, even if you miss it, I'm with you. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to wall around in the hog pen with you. Amen. But I'm with you. I, if you're going good, good to be a good friend to her, you know, you know, all these little little quarrels back and forth would be ended if we would all have that kind of spirit in us. I- some of these little teenage battles back in forth too, and I don't want to call them the teenagers. Adults get it too. We all have the tendencies we're of the flesh to get that way. But we can get mad over this little thing or that little thing or whatever it is that's kind of gotten in the way. If we had that kind of resolve in our heart, I mean is that not what Jesus has done for you? You can't even run him off. Amen. He's, you couldn't even jump out of my hand is what he said. No man can pluck you out of my Amen. hand. That seems to me that like you couldn't even jump out if you wanted out. Because you're not holding your eternal life. <laughs> now that's a friend that's going to stick with you. I'm not saying I approve. Hey, you sh- if I sin, you shouldn't approve of that. If you if you mess up with something, I'm not going to put my seal of approval on that. Goodness gracious! None of us that's that, we missed that uh, talking about an open rebuke is better than secret love. We saw that. I'm not talking about approving of things that people do wrong, but I still want to be there. Even if a friend has caused a, some kind of traumatic experience in their life, I still want to be faithful enough to be there for them and be a good friend to them. And and, and and you know what? This man was signing up for more battles. That he had nothing to do with <laughs> Amen. He was a <laughs> man, I want to be that kind of friend. you want to be that kind of friend to people? Yeah. I, I, I'm telling you, if we'll just get in our mind and we'll just lock it down and we'll just have some resolve in our heart that by the grace of God we're going to be the kind of friend to others that Christ is for us, and these last days we will make a difference in somebody's life. Now I have to say, you can't do this for everybody. You can't be this kind of friend. We're just limited, aren't we? But you can. God has put some people in your life that you can be this kind of friend to. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to do it because they're not a part of your little clique. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we're just limited because of our flesh. We're temporal, not like Christ. So here's a man that was faithful. Even though David caused it, you say, no, Absalom caused it. No, David caused it. I don't believe Absalom would have been doing what he's doing if David wouldn't have done what he did. Do you? I don't. So think about it. So this man had caused the problems and the war and the fighting and all, all the things that had happened. And then this man comes up and says, no, uh, where you go, I'm going to go. Whether in life or death, I'm going to be with you. Hey, can I remind you of something? I, I say, well, I don't really like so-and-so. If they're saved, you better learn to love them. Because guess what? Whether in death or life, you're going to be with them. You're stuck with me for eternity, Tyler. Isn't that pitiful? Hey, we're going to be together in heaven forever, me and you. Not in these capacities. And I'm asking for a little slimmer body when it's resurrected. But you'll still recognize me. Maybe some more hair to fill in some areas here. But we're going to be together forever. We've got to learn to get along. got to learn to love each other. Hey, getting along shouldn't even be a problem, should it? Really? Uh, these kind of things is what I struggle with. You want to honor God, and so you struggle when somebody falls. You don't want to look like you're behind that thing or that you approve of it in some way. And there's some areas of navigating, and being a good friend of somebody. I, I, I don't know, but I am resolved enough to say this. You can still be a faithful friend of somebody who's fallen without approving the sins that they've fallen in. You can still be faithful to be there for them. You can still be lifting them up, encouraging them in the Lord. You can still be willing to help them. See, these fights that are going to be brought into their life because of what they've done, if you're going to be a good friend to them, guess what you're going to have to endure? You're going to have to endure the problems that comes into their life because you're friends with somebody that's broken. That's right. We're broken people. So, if you're going to befriend somebody, they're going to do things that's going to bring negative things into your life and you're going to have to fight battles you didn't cause. What about Paul? Did he do that? And you know what we get? We get selfish. Well, you know what? I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm just just not going to put up with it anymore. Well, man, I, I hope we can all grow up and be like you one day. To make that kind of statement, well, I'm not putting up with them anymore. I wonder if anybody's having to put up with you. Remember that verse we read in Colossians, forbearing one another? Maybe I'll do some good preaching. I'm going to get smart. Will that wake some of you up? Get smart. Ellie. Forbearing one another in love. So you're just going to have to expect this. When you, if you're going to be friends with somebody, it's going to cost you. If you're going to love somebody, it's going to cost you. And that should be okay because Christ loved you and it cost him dearly and it still costs So, if you're going to befriend this person, they're going to do things, they're going to say things, it's going to cause things, but you've got to be there to be faithful. You're going to fight battles you didn't start. So, a good friend, here's the only way you're going to be able to do that. Lay your life down. Because it's not going to be easy. The easy road here This man took the the self-sacrificing friendship route. The easy thing would have been, you know what, you're right. I'm going to take my little group, and we're going to kind of skedaddle before this thing gets ugly. How many people have had friends like that? I wouldn't give you a half a nickel for those kind of people. They'll they'll let you fight out there all by yourself. I'm thinking of a story. I'm not going to tell it because it's probably not fitting, but I've had friends that would... Take off to the car, just give me the keys. I'll leave you standing there. You remember what I'm talking? Hey, what kind of good friend leaves somebody to fight all by himself? I'm talking spiritually now. get you don't understand what I'm saying. And that's what we're doing when somebody gets in a battle and they make a decision and they, they do something that brings turmoil and, and problems into their life. If we just kind of back off and just let them have it, I mean, who, who's going to be underneath them? That's one of our, our next points is they ought to be a pillar, lifting up each other. Anybody can just cast somebody off. That's the easy thing to do. Well, he caused it. He deserves to suffer. Well, you deserve to suffer too for what you've done, Right? And David was surrounded by men that was willing to just follow David. Hey, you want to look through David's career and see how many right decisions he made? Now we don't get all the right ones, but we've got a bunch of the wrong ones, don't we? How many of his servants that are serving David are thrilled that David decided to number the people? He even told, he even had friends telling him, Don't do that. Innocent people lost their lives because of the decision of one leader. Can I say something spiritually? The decision of one pastor can cause fatalities in spiritual lives of people. <laughs> Any of them. And so what, did, what happened, though, when he got through that thing, what, what happened? He had men that was just right there to help him bear up under that load. I can't believe that. I mean, I can only imagine some of, the, some of the talk. We don't get to hear this kind of stuff, but I wish I could hear some of the talk after David's made those decisions and brought such pain and, and turmoil into the nation and some of his men that had even warned him not to do it. I can imagine the talk around there wasn't like, boy, long live the king. that's what what a lot of them you say you know probably what a lot of them said what was he thinking (laughs) and now we got to put the pieces back together listen God puts God puts a man subject to like passions as you are to pastor people yeah you know that God God gives you a failure for a pastor (laughs) but it's a gift from his own heart You know, I might make some decisions to be wrong. You know what i got to have? i got to have men that are willing to stand behind and help pick up the pieces and keep it going. Well, I'm glad to have some friends like that. But I want to be that kind of friend in somebody's life, and I need those kind of friends in my life because I am undoubtedly going to make some mistakes, undoubtedly. And I'm not talking about just parents, but just as a person, just as a person. Are you willing to be that kind of friend for others? Look at let's look at it just a couple more of these. Oh my! Okay, let's, uh, We're gonna get through all this. Uh, we know this story. So can I just give you this? Because we're not going to come back here. So I'm going to give you this. We're going home. Okay, uh, so a good friend ought to be personal pardoning, propitiating. He should be a peacemaker. And so you know the story of Philemon. And so we won't uh, go through that. But can I say you need a good friend in your life that's not going to take signs with you against another friend. You don't need a person like that. Right? If you want to be a good friend, it's not about taking my side so that I'm right. It's about bringing honor and glory to God. Right? Don't jump on my team. That's what we don't need teams, right? We don't, or, or don't jump on Hunter's team. We ain't going to have nobody on your team. Just kidding. Right? It's not about who's right and who's wrong and who's winning and who's losing. That's not what this thing's about. And you know what, Paul, and I realize the difference here a little bit in the situation. I, I understand that uh, a little bit. Uh, but in, in that book, little book of Philemon, is not Paul, is that, is that not Matthew? And he said, blessed are the peacemakers, are you the kind of friend in the, in the youth group that uh, she, if something's going on? Two, two, two people get upset with each other, and you run over here to one, and then you run over here to another, and then you run over here and whisper a thing. Well, you wouldn't believe what she said. Well, yeah, but you know what she said about you? Now, don't start whispering to each other now. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Somebody that's a peacemaker, you know I don't sleep well at night if I've got two friends that are upset with each other without trying to reconcile it. I don't like that. Does anybody else comfortable with having two friends and they're mad at each other and you're stuck in the middle? Isn't that a joy? Don't you love when Christians get that petty? It's just a wonderful thing. but we do get mad at this one and then you're stuck in the middle and it's like well look I love them too and you know what a good we know what kind of friends we need to be to, to, to folks we need to do everything we can to reconcile friends don't we Amen. be at peace among yourselves is what the Bible said now, how are you going to do that if you don't have some people that are willing to make peace Amen. you get upset with somebody and you've got a friend it's running back and forth. you need the kind of friend and I need to be the kind of friend also that's going to be in between going hey guys please is that not what Christ is is he not the day's man? Is he not bringing two together, two parties, and bringing them, reconciling them as friends? Are you that kind of friend? Or are you the one flowing flames on the fire? I've had a bunch of them. And you say something to them in confidence, and you think, well, you know, when you walked away, you should never have said it. But as you walk away, you go, yep, they're going to be calling and telling that one. I shouldn't have said that. Because you know they're going to go tell it. You don't You don't want that kind of reputation. What you need to have and I need to have is the kind of friendship, be the kind of friends that are going to bring folks together, not keep tearing them apart. That's going to be hard. Young people, especially hard. I don't have enough friends. to have to bring two together. I only got one. (laughs) Just kidding. It's going to be tough. You got to do it. So let's give these last. I'm not going to preach it. Let me just give you these, okay? We're going home. I'll give you the verses, though, if you want to look at them later. First Thessalonians chapter number 5. Good friend, ought to be a pillar. And I'm going to read this one to you just so before we go home, I'll read them to you. First Thessalonians chapter number 5, because it mentions a couple of these here. Um, verse number 11 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 most of us know these wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as you also do and we beseech you brethren to know them which labor among you and over you in the Lord and to see them very highly look at verse 14 now who exhort you brethren warn them that are unruly comfort the feeble minded support the weak be patient toward all men now, we're going to one other place and we're done. But this in Romans 12, where we're going in Romans, both of these verses, they're talking about the brethren. Now, this is, this is, this is talking about how you and I are supposed to be treating one another, is it not? We're supposed to, to warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient towards all men. Lord, help us with that. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And so out of that, a good friend ought to be a pillar. They ought to be supporting, building up, and a good friend ought to be patient. Thank God for a friend that'll be patient with you. Romans twelve. I put I said this it's parallel. That means to extend in the same direction. And that's how a good friend ought to be in Romans twelve. Let love be without dissimulation, verse nine, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another, with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. Recompense no man evil for evil, and provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lie, then you live peaceably with all men. And that, let me just give you this one, out this parallel. You, th- you think about this later on. But that verse 16 says, be of the same mind one toward another. And um, I'm going to study a little bit more about that. wonder what that same mind one towards another is. In the context of what he's saying, what, what, be of the same mind one towards another. See, if my mind is denying myself, bringing honor and glory to the Lord for you, and your mind is, no matter what, bring glory to God and honor God with your life. And what's better for me, if we both have that same mind one towards another, well, we'd be a good friend. Uh, this is the last one in 1 Samuel 30. A good friend's proportionate. Oh man, we would never get through this. This is just too much. This this is the last one. This is a good friend's proportionate. You you can you can read this. I'll give you the verses uh 1 Samuel chapter number 30, verse number 21 through 31. Um, and I'm going to end just giving you this here just a little bit. There's so many other verses that are talking about uh, being being a, I put proportionate in the sense that they're nonpartisan. They're impartial. Um, they're not a respecter of persons. Um, for instance, here we see in that verse that I gave you, David, still sending the spoils of victory to his friends. Um, it didn't matter who they were, where they were, or where they served, or how important they were. See, some people, they have men's advantage in mind. They have people's persons in mind, cause of advantage. And they're good to certain people when it can get them something. But once you lose your value, you'll stop being treated kindly. That's not a good friend. Don't be good to somebody just because you know you can get something out of them. Right? And here's what we're bad about, especially in the South. We're bad about cliques. And if it wasn't 20 after, I'd preach on oh that a little bit. It is hard and difficult. And I know we're done. But listen, hey, it is difficult not to let yourself just get comfortable with your little group and, on, and be a respecter of persons. So, so uh, here's what I'm saying. I know some people, I mean preachers, it don't matter what, what, across the spectrum, they are so willing to overlook major things in somebody's life because they're real close. But then somebody else, if they don't really know that well, they'll literally throw them under the bus. Well, if you're going to be so forgiving about something over here, shouldn't you just be just as equally as kind and generous and forgiving in the life of this person? I've never, I, we can't be that way. That's a respecter of persons, isn't it? See, some people, if you were raised around here or if, you were, if you're part of the, part of the group or, 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 or you're in this clique and this group and this camp and this, y'all know what I'm talking about. And, 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 and you can, you'll, make excuse, you'll make excuses in that person's life. Well, you know, their daddy was hard on. But this person over here, man, they're sorry. That's a respect your persons, isn't it? That's not a good friend. Be careful because that kind of friend that's that way will drop you when you lose your importance to them. I know it's late I'm going to stop but we cannot be a respecter of persons young people especially listen, learn now how to just be good and gentle and long suffering all those things that it just said to us to all men doesn't matter if they're your best buddy or if they're not your best buddy doesn't matter where they stack up on your scale of close friends Uh, we ought to be good biblical friends to everybody shouldn't we now, that's what Jonathan did. Uh, you, you can read it later on. Young people, why don't you do this? Why don't you read 1 Samuel, starting chapter 7, and run it through the end to chapter 31 when, when, uh, when Jonathan uh, dies and uh, Saul and his three sons and armor bearer and all of them die. And just read all the different times in there and, and several chapters of how Jonathan loved David, their soul was just knit together in love you, you realize what Jonathan lost To be friends with David Do you think it could have bothered David That he could have been second I mean uh, Jonathan He could have been second in line He could have been jealous He could have got mad But he was a good friend to David, loved David, all through every single battle and everything that was happening. I wish we had time. We're done tonight. I wish we had time to go through and read in his life. All the time. I would love to stand before God being the kind of faithful, loving friend that Jonathan was to David. Stand to your feet. We're done. But have you ever thought about that? I mean, how much glory did Jonathan get? He didn't get to be king, did he? In fact, he said this. At one time, I think he was hoping to be number two. When they made, it was, I think maybe the second time he reconfirmed his oath to him, made David swear again to him, maybe in chapter 20. or I can't remember exactly. But in but, uh, and, and one of those times, I think he kind of hoped to be second in command to David. And what did God let him do? God lets him die in chapter 31. If any man deserved to have some kind of position, it would be Jonathan. His own daddy. He turned on, He turned against his own daddy. He didn't mistreat his daddy. He wasn't unbiblical in that. But he was choosing God above the, res- the, the closeness that he had with Saul. He chose God. And uh, he was not a respecter of persons. But Lord, we love you. Help us to be a good friend. Thank you for this little study that we've been through. And Lord, thank you for the great examples we have in the Bible. of Good friends, faithful friends, written for our learning. Help all of us be that same way because no doubt we're all going to get in a position where we're going to have to live these truths. And so let us be like Jonathan, be faithful to do what's right, no matter what the cost. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I have one verse. If you need to come, then we'll go